Welcome to the I'm Book Podcast. We have reached episode 48, and today I have a really fascinating guest, Mark Hirschberg, who's the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. So Mark was educated at MIT, and he has spent his career launching and fixing new ventures and startups, Fortune 500s, and in academia. He developed new software languages, online marketplaces, new authentication systems, and believe it or not, he has tracked criminals and terrorists on the dark web. We don't get into that in the podcast, but we do talk about his process for writing the career toolkit, how he got the idea, and how he garnered all of his ideas, his success, his longevity teaching at MIT, poured it into this book and used what he developed called the Career Success Accelerator at MIT and put it into the Career Toolkit. He also serves on the board of Plants a Million Corals. So we're glad to have Mark and let's hop into the episode. Before we get into this episode, just a quick note that if you've ever thought that you could be an author, now is the time. Go to O'LearyPublishing.com to schedule your Pitch the Publisher session where you can speak with me for 15 minutes about your book idea and I'll steer you in the right direction to becoming an author this year. Go to O'LearyPublishing.com to schedule your Pitch the Publisher session today. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Mark. So glad to have you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. So lesser known fact, Mark and I were just talking right before the recording started, and we both happen to be from the north side of Chicago. So he's in New York now, and I'm in Naples, Florida, and life has brought us to different parts of the country, but it's uh, our old stumping grounds. So Mark is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success that No One Taught You. And as you heard, he's got a huge background of knowledge, educated at MIT, developed a lot of really cool things, and has put a lot of this knowledge together in a book for you. And so I want to start by talking a little bit about your book, and then we'll talk more about how books work to help you grow businesses or brands and that kind of thing. But how did you get started writing your book, The Career Toolkit? I didn't actually intend to write a book. 20 some years ago, I helped to create a class at MIT referred to as the Career Success Accelerator. We recognized all these skills, leadership, communications, networking, negotiating are critical, but no one teaches them to students. There is a gap in our education system. So we put this program together and I've been teaching there for the past 20 some years. I thought, you know, we need to write up notes for this class. The class is very hands-on which is a great way to teach, but the students don't take notes. Just thought, let me write up some notes for the students. We can share it with other universities. I want to promote this program elsewhere. And I thought I was writing 20 pages of notes, but 20 pages became 40, became 80. And once it passed 100, I said, you know, I think this is a book. So your class at MIT over the past 20 years is what really gave you sort of the context for building the book, building the manuscript. And when you started writing it, it blossomed into so much more. And so when you began putting this all together in a manuscript, how did that look for you? I took a rather unusual approach because I didn't plan it as a book. 
it was notes. So they were a little disorganized. I'll write a little on this. I'll write a little on that. And it wasn't logically laid out. But when I got to that 100 plus pages, so it's a book. Okay, I better think in a structure. How am I going to organize it? And so I did in reverse how most people do it where you're starting more top down. I'll also note people often ask, how long did it take you to write? Now, it only took me about four and a half months. But the caveat is I've been teaching this for 20 years. That's where the work came in. And in fact, the great thing about teaching or speaking about your topic ahead of time is you really refine it. You get to practice it. You know what you want to say. One comment I get from a lot of readers is I'm reading your book. I'm reading a page. I have a question. And as soon as I flip the page, you answered my question. Well, that's not magic. That's because having done it for decades, I know what you're likely to ask next because I would get that question next. Authors who write from their expertise, specifically, obviously, nonfiction, have that benefit of working with their knowledge base for a long period of time. We don't necessarily jump into writing a nonfiction book and start researching on day one of writing. As you were writing this manuscript, were you involving some beta readers, some students, or some other faculty to, to get some feedback on it? Or how did that look for you? I had a couple different feedback mechanisms. The first were the content readers. And in fact, I broke them up into two categories. There were my peers. There were people who were typically in their 40s and 50s who were experienced leaders, experts in this area. Some of them were other people with whom I've taught. And they could look in and say, you know, Mark, I think you're not explaining this concept well. They could give me almost peer level, expert level feedback. Then I had a different set of readers who are more the target group. The book tends to appeal slightly more to people 20 to 40, although I do get people even in their 40s and 50s saying, wow, I wish I had learned this earlier. But so I thought about the two groups, my peer experts and then the target audience as slightly different groups and making sure I'm resonating with the, the latter, but getting input from the former. I love that approach. That's really smart. And when you received some of that peer level input, were you able to metabolize and adapt that? Or was it kind of hard and caught you a little off guard at some points? I find that there's a couple different ways that people approach the editorial experience. Some of us have a hard time because we feel so in love with the way we explain something. And sometimes it's like, oh yeah, that, that really makes sense what you're saying. Thanks for pointing that out. It was more of a ladder. Certainly there were points where I felt almost a little you know, hostile. Oh, you're challenging my idea. <laughs> but the other thing that happened throughout the process is I would have almost this manic depressive approach to my writing where I'd think, wow, you know, I spent the last couple of weeks doing a bunch of revisions and this is fantastic. I love the book. I love what I'm saying. And then the next week, I'd think, oh, my God, this is garbage. This is crap. No one's going to read this. This is embarrassing. And I'd go from the highs of loving it to the lows of hating it. And so certainly when they caught me more in the lows, it's, oh, thank God, they're going to prevent me from pointing out something that's total garbage. And I, from what I understand, that's pretty normal that you're going to go through the periods of loving and hating your work. And you might respond differently to criticism during each of those periods. That is a great point. How did you get out of some of those periods? Because I've found that authors that we work with, especially right before launch, 
struggle with a lot of self-doubt, self-criticism, wondering if it's good enough or wanting to just retweak that last part and retweak. It's like at some point you have to let go of the manuscript. It's so, funny you say that. One of the hardest things for me, it was actually post-release, when I started writing a blog, the blog I held up for so long because I want to get the blog perfect. When we print our book, we have to get it right. If there's a spelling mistake, it goes into print and there's no taking it back once it's come off the press. A blog, it's a blog I put out every week. Stop worrying about being perfect. I had to shift my mindset from perfection to, hey, this is good enough. Some weeks, you know, this isn't my best blog post, but who cares? I just need something out this week. But when I was going in that back and forth, one of the things I did, especially when I was in that down phase, is I would focus on a different aspect of the process. The cover design, the marketing, the outreach, the website design. And this way I can focus on something saying, oh, you know, I just, this text is not good and I don't know what to do right now. Let me channel my energy elsewhere and then I'll come back and say either it's not so bad or I'll realize what I can do to improve it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the launch if we could. When you put the book out, this was just a little bit over a year ago. So the book is really still, I would say, considered fresh off the press. And being that you're talking about, right, the website, the branding, you had this 20 years of teaching. But bringing that knowledge base out to like a commercial audience who may or may not know you yet, what did you do to prepare for the launch on some of the pieces that you put in place that helped you to get the word out about your book? Great question. In fact, people didn't know me. Yes, I've been teaching this for 20 some years. My day job, I am a CTPO, a chief technology product officer doing tech startups. That is very different than I'm going to teach you professional development skills. Mm -hmm. That Venn diagram has no intersection in the middle. <laughs> so I had to build a completely separate brand for myself. In fact, that's one reason my website is not my name. A lot of authors use their name, but because Mark Hirschberg, the person is known to some as a cybersecurity expert, as a startup person, and he's known to others for these professional skills, I couldn't have one website encapsulate all of that. So I create a separate website, thecareertoolkitbook.com, as that brand's website. Now, when I created this, I recognized you have to have multiple channels and you need a consistent brand across the channel. Your audio just cut out. Oh, that's very strange. Oh, there you go. Now I hear you. So we'll go ahead. When you created it. When I created it, I realized you need a consistent brand across multiple channels. And as an author, certainly you need a website, we all know this, but you're going to need to do outreach, likely in social media. That doesn't necessarily mean you need to be on TikTok. I'm not on it yet, although I keep getting pressure there. Probably LinkedIn for business books. Now I also cross post to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, not that I expect large followings, but I use a tool that lets me just post the same thing to all of them. You will likely need to go on podcasts. You'll need to do local talks. You'll need to build this into your larger business. It might be consulting. It might be speaking. And so you need to think strategically about your overall plan and recognize your book is not the goal. Your book is one component of your larger business. And I love that we 
that you said that because we talk a lot with our authors about what is the book doing for you? How are you going to use this book as part of a larger brand or a larger business or a larger goal? And so how did this book fit into your larger, larger goal? And let me just note, by the way, I'm a member of author groups, of speaking groups, of podcasting groups. And it's very frustrating because you are not one of those things. I don't know anyone who's just a speaker who doesn't also have a book and or a podcast or coaching or something else. Most authors don't just write a book without also doing speaking or coaching or something else. We really need to think not as individual channels, but holistically, you are doing all of it. Now, I'm a little unique. Most people write a book like mine will say, oh, and now I'm an executive coach. Now I'm a career coach. I actually don't do any of that coaching because I have my day job that is totally different that I enjoy. So it didn't help my brand in that sense. My motivation for my book was rather unusual. I just want to help people. I'm not worried about the revenue or the sales. I do, however, do some speaking and um, I need to have a consistent brand across the book and the speaking. And actually, I'll note, I put a lot of effort into the brand design here. So one of the things we did when I was doing my cover concepts, when you do a book, you'll have your cover designer will give you multiple concepts. So we had lots of different ideas. I also went to Fiverr. This is- There you go. Now it's back on again. Let me, let me make sure my things are connected. I've never had this problem before. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Something loose. One of the other things I did, I went to Fiverr. And at Fiverr, this is where you can hire freelancers around the world. I pay them five, $10 each and say, give me a cover design. Or they'll say, we'll do a few revisions. Forget the revisions. Just give me three versions, no revisions. I just for a couple dollars got lots of different concepts. Then I tested them. I actually ran surveys with my target market to see what resonated. The cover design we went with, this was clearly the top cover design. And if you look at it, it has some iconography on it. It has these little almost clip art like businessy things. They were generic, but I spent a lot of time, weeks working with the cover designer, working with feedback from friends to make sure each of those icons were consistent with one of the 10 chapters in the book. Each chapter has an icon. Interviewing has an icon that's separate than networking. By doing this, I created this brand that is now used, and you see the iconography on the website, in the book, in my social media, in my talks, in the app. It is very consistent and builds into the larger brand that's not just, this is on the cover of my book, and that's the only place you see it. It works right. for my larger goals. It's a great idea, you know, and I think Fiverr is a great suggestion for so many things. I've had good luck with them for a lot of things, social media help, some design help, video editing, that kind of thing. It's a great platform. So I'm glad you, you recommended that. And it's great to think about the cover design as a much bigger portion of your brand and how you're going to incorporate the design elements to encapsulate the content of the book, but also the messaging that you're trying to give to your readers. So in the process of developing all of this, because there is that intellectual part of writing where we take our, our skills and our knowledge and we're putting it into a logical format and we're thinking about our readers, then there's the creative hat you have to wear to 
come up with the cover design and the website and how all of that's going to play together. And then, as you mentioned, the Venn diagram, it's like which parts of those overlap and how are we going to make it all cohesive? So do, do you find certain parts of the, that process more interesting for you or certain parts more challenging? For me, because I've been fortunate to have a lot of marketing training, I think it was easy and natural. I know a lot of authors struggle with this. A lot of authors think my job is to write and create the content, but they don't know how to sell it. And very important, you need to understand as an author, or again, as an author, speaker, coach, whatever your larger business is, if you build it, they won't necessarily come. Writing is the first third of the marathon you're running you need to spend at least twice the amount of time you spent writing the book, marketing the book. So you have to be prepared. You have to have that expectation that your job's not done once you press print or send it to the printer. You need to keep going. You need to keep pushing. Too many authors think, well, I have my launch week and okay, you know, this is big. And I do a couple events. I went on half a dozen podcasts. Well, how come I'm not a bestseller? You need to keep pushing, pushing, pushing. I have been on over 300 podcasts and I keep going because it is a marathon. It's not done when I hit 50 podcasts. It's not done when I hit 100. I will keep going because my business keeps going. You know, it's interesting. I was reading a blog recently where an author made their, in their own mental um, goals for their books, they focus not on book sales, but on Amazon reviews. And I thought that was a good way to think about it is how are we creating some metrics that aren't necessarily always tied to just book sales, but it could be podcasts that you're on or blogs you're featured in, some of those tangible results of actions we can take. And then the book sales will follow because of those actions. And the dirty secret that you and I know you're not making money from book sales. That's the reality. If you're thinking, I'm going to make $100,000 by selling my book, probably not. But the book and the related content can lead to your consulting, your speaking, your classes, the other things. And you have to recognize your book is part of it. And so just as at a business, you don't say, we have all these leads done. No, leads are how you start and then you convert into sales and then you service your customers. Leads are just one component. Your book, think of it as one component of driving your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, having a book is creating a business. And I think that's the point that you're making here is that the book is almost the hook. It's out there on the end of the line. It's getting readers familiar with you, building the trust, drawing people in. And then they're going to say, oh, this guy, Mark, he's, he knows what he's talking about. What else does he have? So one of the things that you have that we've talked about and you have um, developed as an, as an app, and I want to talk about your career toolkit app that goes with the book that's available on, in your app store, your smartphone app store. Um, how did you come up with that idea? Right now, I have two apps, the Career Toolkit app and Brain Bump. Let's start with the Career Toolkit app. One of the challenges we have as authors is people read our books, and then two weeks after they put them down, they forget 95% of it. Well, that's a problem for the reader because 
you have such great advice and they wanted to get your advice, but now they forgot most of it. That seems like an inefficient use of their time. We want to help the reader remember because our job is not to sell pieces of paper, is to transform the lives of our readers. Now, at the same time, we also want them to remember us because word of mouth marketing doesn't work if they don't remember your book. The likelihood that they're going to turn to you for your other services is diminished if they don't remember you and your great advice. So how do we help our readers remember their content, but also remember our brand? And that's where I created the app. The app is like a cross between a flashcard app and a daily affirmation app. I was shocked this didn't exist, by the way. I looked for it, did not exist in the market. We filed a patent on it and then created the app. So the idea is it takes highlights from the book. If you went through the highlighter, here are the key things. They're in the app and the user will use it one of two ways. Either the user says, I need this information now. For example, networking is something I cover. Oh, I'm walking into a networking event. What were those tips in Mark's book? Pull it out in the app, flip through it two minutes before you walk in the room and you get just-in-time access to the content. The second way it's used is each day, at a time the user sets, one of those tips gets surfaced. They get a little push notification on the phone. They don't even have to open the app. They look and say, oh, yeah, that's a really good piece of advice. I need to remember that. Swipe, done. And if you surface it every day, eventually they start to retain it. Spaced repetition mm -hmm. is how we learn but it also means they see my brand every day. They get reminded of it. So we built the Career Toolkit app and then other authors came and said, we want this. Now, one of the challenges when you build an app is now I have to get people will buy the book, oh, and download my app, oh, and sign up for the email list, oh, and follow me on social media. It's a lot of calls to action. And a lot of folks, we know most people are only selling thousands or even just hundreds of copies of their book trying to get people to download the app, you're probably only going to get a few hundred to download the app. Instead, we created this Kindle version, just like the Kindle has all the books. Brain Bump supports all the books and podcasts and blogs and classes and talks. So Brain Bump is an app also on the Android and iPhone stores where authors and podcasters and other folks with content can put the highlights on the server and then the users can see, oh, here's an interesting book. That's an interesting podcast. Add it to their set and get exposed to those tips on a daily basis, just like the other app did. So interesting. And I love it that you went looking for something first and then didn't find it and then said, well, I guess I'll develop it. I guess I'll write a patent for it. That just shows how your brain works, right? That's, that's, that's the engineering that's your MIT education, right? Most people <laughs> yes. probably would. They'd be like, oh, Barbara, that doesn't exist. Oh, well. <laughs> but uh, you did develop that. So it sounds as though there's two types of users for Brain Bump. Is that right? There's the person who's going to have the flashcard or the push notifications coming up. And then there's the person who may have a book or have a podcast and want their content on there. Is that how it works? Exactly. So content creators authors, podcasters, speakers, take highlights from their content, put onto the server, and then a user will come along and find it. Or if you're a content creator, we give you tools like QR codes and links to say, hey, everyone, click here, snap this QR code, get the content, and the user will get your content. They'll look at other content that might be on the app, and other users will find your content and get exposed to it. 
That's really cool. So, you know, it's interesting in the nonfiction world as well that there's so many opportunities for additional ways to monetize your content, whether that's through an app, through courses, through workshops, through speaking events and all of that. What are some of the ways that you found additionally to monetize the career toolkit if you have? I intentionally don't. The only ways I make money, book sales, we do charge money for the books, and speaking. Everything else on my website, it is a free download. I don't even gate it with an email. So this is a typical technique for lead funnels. You give someone a freebie. Oh, here's a free app or here's a free download. But before you do so, enter your email. And by the way, I've done that professionally. I've been part of lead generation companies and we help companies do this, get their leads. I intentionally didn't want to do that because my goal, as I mentioned, is, is a little different. I make most of my money through my day job. This is fun for me. So I'm not trying to sell a lot of other services. I'd rather more people have access to it. But if I were to try and monetize, certainly I could sell additional supplemental material. And a common thing, for example, is when you have a book like mine, you create the workbook that you sell for an additional $5, whether through Amazon or your website. I could have classes. I could have a podcast. And from the podcast, I could use that to either get money through advertising or do lead generation through the podcast itself. I could have private classes, for example, that I sell through the website. So there's a bunch of standard ways. I just choose not to do them. Yeah, well, you have a full plate with your day job career and your teaching. And now as an author, doing all your podcast interviews and blogging. So I think you have uh, successfully filled your calendar, I should say. So, you know, to kind of wrap it up here, um, what would you say, what advice would you give to new authors who are looking for ways to grow their visibility with their book? What are some sort of, I'll say, low-hanging fruit, some ways to just even start? Because I think there's that tendency to have that feeling of like, I'm the author, I'm writing, you know, and now I've got to take off that writer's hat and have to put on the marketing hat. And for many, they don't bring the marketing skills to the table. That's sort of that upward learning curve that they're going to learn with their book, like growing up with their book, like many of us grow up with our kids, right? So what, what are some things they can do? Content can be reused. So here's an example. I'll go on a podcast and on the podcast, of course, you'll promote the podcast. I'll promote the podcast. I'll go, oh, hey, check me on this podcast. And from the podcast, it might be more than one tweet or one Instagram post because we might do, oh, here's a highlight. Here's a thing. Now on a show, you might ask me a question. I think, oh, that's a really good point. I haven't thought about that. I'm going to turn that into a blog post. That blog post, I might get two or three posts out of that two or three social media posts. Here's a blog post. Oh, here's a highlight from the post. I could also read the blog post into a microphone and turn that into a podcast. That's the same thing as my blog. And so one conversation that we had for 30 minutes can lead to five, eight, a dozen different pieces of content that I can surface over the coming weeks. 
And then of course you can put lots of this on the Brain Bump app as well. But the idea is that you don't think, well, I did a blog post, that's it. Or I did a podcast interview. Recognize that you can take your content and slice it up and reuse it and repurpose it and put it onto different channels. And so your leverage, your multiplier effect is huge when you recognize how to do it. I love that. And it's reusing that same content in various different modalities, video, audio, written word, um, transcribing, you know, podcast interviews, working that into blog posts. There's so many ways that we don't need to necessarily sit and look at a blank screen and try to come up with new ideas every time. I do want to say for authors who have that first book that's getting out there, one really important thing to have is a media kit. And I will give Mark a huge compliment here because his media kit that he sent when we connected and scheduled this podcast is exceptionally well organized. It has summaries of his book, his chapters, questions to ask. It shares about his app. His app it gives his bio and all of that. So if you're an author who wants to schedule podcasts, it's really important to have that kind of kit available because it helps the people that you want to work with. So how did you develop your, your media toolkit? Having done some marketing before, I know what a media kit looks like. I looked at a few others from authors and then some of it was literally copy paste. <laughs> I'm gonna take that idea and put my picture, not that guy's picture. There's a pretty standard format to them. And in summary, the first page is just an overview of the book, a quick summary, some quick facts, the book cover. Second page, you're going to have a bio. Often you might even have multiple bios because some people take a long bio. Some say, oh, we need under 50 words. So I have multiple versions of the bio. You're going to have some social proof. And these are the quotes. We loved it. Best book ever, presumably from a well-known source. And then you might have some questions or directions. And here's the key thing. Here's why you want that. Whenever you are selling, and when I'm trying to get on a podcast, I am selling myself to the podcast host. You want to make it as easy as possible for the customer, I'm using that term loosely, to say yes. You want to remove objections. And so if I pitch you and say, hey, I have a book, you should put me on. Think, okay, now I have to Google Mark. Now I have to look at his book. I have to figure out, is he competent? Is his content relevant to me? By doing all the work, and of course, I do it once, I can reuse it with everyone I reach out to. I've made it so easy for you. Say, oh, yeah, I can skim this. This all looks good. If there's a question I somehow missed, you can reach out to me or then you look it up. But if I've done 80, 90, 99% of the work for you, it's easier for you to say yes. And I can tell you, having done literally hundreds of podcasts, podcasters tell me no one sends a media kit. Unless you're some big name celebrity and you have a PR firm, individuals, people like me, don't send media kits. And when you do, you stand out. That's so true. So, and you got a great headshot and a great media kit. You got an excellent book, a well-branded website. You've got the whole kit and caboodle. So you're the real deal, Mark. And I'm glad to have had you on this podcast. Where can people find you? I'm going to give you two websites, thecareertoolkitbook.com. That's the website for my book, and you can learn more about me, where to buy the book. You can check out the Career Toolkit app from there. You can look at my resources page with all the great resources. So that's the careertoolkitbook.com. 
Then there is cognoscomedia.com, C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O media.com. And that produced Brain Bump. And so if you go to the Android and iPhone stores, you can download Brain Bump to try out the app. If you want to learn more about how it works or potentially have your content on there, reach out to me at cognoscomedia.com and see if your content's right for the app. I love it. So we'll make sure to have both of those links in the show notes. We appreciate your time to be on here. The Career Toolkit is an exceptional book. It's going to help many people, I know, as it has with this content that you've been teaching for 20 years, but now you've gotten it outside of the classroom and out into the world. And we appreciate your time and effort to do that. You know, it takes authors who have expertise who are able to put it in a book. And I believe that those books are what actually do change the world. They're the things that will outlive us. They're the things that we can leverage our knowledge to reach the masses. And, you know, all of us have those books that really hit us at that certain time in our life where we picked it up and it became this like, I can't believe I found this book at this point in time. And that's the service that I believe an author brings to the world. So thank you for bringing that gift to us into the world with the Career Toolkit. And uh, again, check out his links on the show notes. And I look forward to following you and your career and where you go with the Career Toolkit. Have an amazing day and thanks for being on the show. And that concludes episode 48 with Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. If you want to get the, the chapter synopsis and the table of contents, you can do so at thecareertoolkitbook.com forward slash synopsis. That link is in the show notes. And to download our free publishing guide, I encourage you to go to alirypublishing.com to pick up the Influencer's Path to Successful Publishing, where we help you take your idea, turn it into a manuscript and get it out into the world. Have an amazing day and thanks for listening. We appreciate you. And in the show notes, you can see also where you can leave us a voice message. You could be featured on our next podcast. Let us know what you think. Like, comment, and subscribe. Have a great day.